Hey, pronouncers, welcome back. Got another episode for you guys. Um, this is kind of a fun one. Got a bunch of different research that we went through and wanted to be able to share some unique stuff. This is really business owner focused, I think, today. We're going, Bruce is, Bruce is going to drop some Harvard Business Review, Wall Street Journal. He's, he's becoming a well-read, uh, well-read <laughs> individual. I think what's pretty cool and, and hopefully y'all will enjoy is Bruce and I have a lot of conversations throughout the week where we'll send each other articles. And instead of us just talking on the phone, we're like, wait, let's actually talk through some of these things, whether it was uh, employee reviews, um, just talking about trusting and how trust builds joy in your business. Um, what would happen if... Uh, you had your whole team review you. <laughs> uh, super, super awesome conversation. Um, but we got some sponsors. Let's hear it. Yeah. All right. So I was actually at this company um, yesterday and uh, Supercolor, they are, they are just insane, like busting at the seams with growth, which is so cool. Um, it's awesome to be able to see them grow so much. Supercolor, if you haven't heard, is innovated. They've got a brand new next gen transfer that's a lot easier to use. They literally went through and tested the formulas. I actually met Bill, who's who's like the one mad of the scientists there too. Super scientist. Yes, absolute mad scientist. He's so smart. They tested them on so many different types of heat presses. And they make it so, so much easier to use. Um, they're easy to peel. And they know, and you know, if they're easier to peel, you have more confidence. And if you have more confidence, you can decorate faster. And if you can decorate faster, you can make more money. And we all know time is money. So regardless of the type of equipment that you're using, Supercolor wants to make your experience super fast and super easy. As usual, you know, Printavo 15, that's the coupon code that gets you 15% off your first order. Check them out. Give it a try. And if you want more info, go to supercolor.com slash supernew. Ooh, supernew. Bruce, have you heard of Multicraft underscore daddy? Um, he's been making some reels lately. I'm, I'm pretty pumped. Um, there's yeah. a, I'm, I'm learning the Multicraft team, their Instagram. We got Multicraft Sam. We got Multicraft Jimmy. We got Multicraft Daddy. But uh, if you need ink supplies or a daddy, Multicraft screen printing and digital supplies for over 50 years has been providing you with top brands at competitive prices mention the printable podcast and receive an extra 10 percent off your first order they are opening up a facility um, in illinois that is going to be pretty insane um speakeasy themed i think for a showroom um, where they're gonna have training classes um and uh they're gonna be shipping out supplies from there and uh, it's super cool. I don't know when the grand opening is. It's coming up pretty soon here, Bruce. But uh, yeah. End of March. Cool. End of March. End of March. Follow Multicraft underscore daddy. Um, give him love on his awful dad reels. Um, he's up to four, 632 followers. He's growing faster. Shoot. Wow. <laughs> We're proud of you. All right. I know you've heard about him. We've talked a lot about him. Easy way. And here's why EasyWay is important. You know that they sell through over 100 distributors. You know that they are great to be able to reach out for how-tos, best practices, and just general questions. And you know Stephen's favorite chemicals are 701 and 842. And with EasyWay, you shouldn't be spending all day cleaning dirty screens. EasyWay's line of environmentally conscious chemicals will get the job done faster, more efficiently, and cost you a fraction of the cost 
per screen. Check out EasyWay. Their environmentally friendly chemicals will help reclaim run efficiently. Thanks for EasyWay. All right, Bruce. Uh, do you need a solution to improve efficiency and reduce costs in your art department? If you go to 1900hotstuff.com, you will find graphic source graphic source offers industry leading outsource options for your shop by truly becoming a part of your team they plug and play with printabo and other shop management softwares when it comes to steps mocks creative art order management embroidery digitizing back office admin and customer service there's no better company in our industry to work with with over 30 years in the game they really know and understand shop needs and have a proven track record of success hit them up at graphicsource.com and mention the Printavo pod and you'll get 50% off your first vector supper embroidery order. We just got our third artist. So um, we've got a crew down there and uh, they're fantastic. So thanks, Graphic Source. All right. Let's jump on in. All right. We're back. What are you, what's going on? Where are you at? I'm in Chicago today. I, uh, I'm in my office and I magically found an employee's MacBook. So um. <laughs> I don't know, but I... It works. We need name Carson's tags. MacBook's been having issues, so maybe I'll bring her home a present today. <laughs> <laughs> the worst was having a laptop that's no longer at, with someone that's at the company, and there's stickers all over it, and you have to spend time scraping that off. What were you saying? How often do you get a new MacBook? Um, gosh, not often actually, unless I spill coffee all over it. Um, I think so every, before this one, it was like five year? years ago. Two years, five years. I did I tell you this? I I literally saw us sitting outside, and I I put this cold brew, like just cup or whatever, right next to it, and then uh, mm-hmm. I just go to move, knock it over. I swear to you, the top of the cup spilled directly on the H key in the middle of the keyboard, and everything just went right into there and like soaked into the keys. It was just everywhere, and I pick it up. And it was and it was dripping out of all the ports, like the USB ports. <laughs> and I and I just looked at it. I think I looked at it for like 30, 40 seconds. I'm just like in disbelief. Um, turns out if you have Apple warranty though, they will replace it. It's two ninety nine to replace. But okay, did they replace it on the spot? No, no, actually like they they like replaced the parts. So like they took the shell and they replaced all I got an invoice after of everything they replaced and then, you know, minus the warranty. So it was, it was just the deductible of 300. It was every part. <laughs> You'd think that it would be cheaper just to put a new one with the labor, but I guess not. Okay. Here's my problem. So I dropped my podcast mic on my MacBook and it shattered right. the stupid top thing that no one ever uses. Right. Right. And for me to take it in, they said it'll be two weeks. What am I supposed to do for two weeks? Yes, dude. Use my iPad? I don't. I don't know. So um, I believe Apple is starting or CDW. I, I heard somebody starting a temporary loaner program thing. But you know what? You know what? Honestly, the solve is, and we did the same thing here. Is you have to have one extra that you can ship around to people who have to get their laptop repaired. Interesting. Well, it's like a floater. I was like, hmm, maybe I'll just buy a brand new one 
and then get this one fixed and that's and another one that's to, another song especially yeah if somebody needs the power and everything that you have yeah 100 it depends if it's under warranty is really what i found because if they're not under warranty then the repairs tend to be kind of expensive for what you yeah what the laptop's worth i uh i've had so many issues i had my laptop stolen out of the back of my car once i drove back and forth to champagne three times in a day because i was just going crazy I think what? I, just, I have a problem. Yeah. Did I ever tell you the story? I was loading shirts into the shop and I had my trunk open on campus. Oh. And my laptop got stolen out of the back and I was losing my mind. And so I was like, I went back to Chicago. My laptop wasn't there. I was like, oh my gosh, where's my laptop? And then I drove back to Champaign. My laptop wasn't there. Drove back to Chicago. Laptop wasn't there. And I was the saddest, saddest person for a couple of days sucks um anyways all right what do we got um, today i got a lot of stuff i want to share with you got a lot of things thoughts um uh a lot of things to go over how's the shop by the way before we jump in shop is good shop is really good things are things are moving along pretty well we are um, in the middle of getting ready for march madness um so last year we had uh, one school at illinois and uh now we have about 13 live, 14 live, and 10 of them are going to make the tournament. So we're just kind of figuring out how to do it. <laughs> um, and I've just been writing like briefs of like, okay, if this happens, we're going to do this. If this happens, we're going to do this. The difference is last year, it was like Adam's first week at Campus Inc. Or second week mm-hmm. at Campus Inc. This year, we have like all hands on deck. There's literally 15, 20 people and everyone's owning a little part of it. Um, and so there's just like different point people on everything. Um, so we feel pretty good about it. It'll definitely put us to the test. Um, and if one of our teams makes a deep run, then it will probably get pretty fun, which we haven't seen yet. But, um, because we're working with so many schools, I like to call it like an index fund. If some schools lose, some schools do better. (laughs) We'll, uh, uh, hopefully we can win either way. It's but, the S and P five hundred. It's the um, yeah, it's the Campus Inc. five hundred. But uh, but no, things things are going well, and um, I, I finally feel Bruce like I've had the team tenure is starting to be built, which is like a good feeling, you know. So, how about yourself? There was a uh, there was a um, we, we were talking the other day about this guy named Bill Gurley. If you haven't heard of Bill Gurley, he is a venture capitalist um, from a company called Benchmark. And Benchmark's invested in companies like uh, Uber and, you know, Airbnb, just mega successful companies. And um, he loves sports and he always makes sports analogies. And um, one of the things that he was talking about is just that... It's interesting to watch a company because if you just have a bunch of all-star players that don't mesh together, they just don't play well together at all and it doesn't work out. Um, you know, if you watch basketball, you've seen them. I, I, and I don't really watch it. I've seen this stuff that's happened with the Nets. Um, but if you have a team that works together and or they've had time to mesh together and create trust, there's like an interesting chemistry that starts to happen. And so that just reminded me of what you just said, because there's this article I was just reading. Um, actually, I'll just jump into it because it's it's called the neuroscience of trust. And I'm, I'm going to put um, I'm going to put a link 
down below, Chris, you can include this in the, the neuroscience in the of trust. Are you surprising me with this today? Uh, yeah, I've got a lot of surprises. I've okay. got a lot of things I've just been reading and collecting notes. And so since we're just jamming today, I'm going to bring it all out. So, um, <clears throat> this article is all about building team trust and just what it, like, what does that exactly mean? I think on the surface, it absolutely sounds cliche. Um, but the essence is that if you can have team trust, that means you can have more direct conversations and make improvements with each other. And people know that other things are going to get done and you waste less time, you know, looking over people's shoulder, making things, making sure things happen. Um, you can give direct performance reviews, things like that. So the, the TLDR, I'll just go through the summary, um, in building team trust is in, and this is really how to do it. Um, first recognize job well done. Uh, you know, so other people can see that too. Sometimes you may shy away from, from recognizing, you know, A players or, or maybe B players um, for certain reasons, but anybody should do that too. Um, continually challenge people with harder tasks before they tend to ask for it to, to push them further. Um, let, and that builds the trust if they're able to complete it, obviously. Let people complete work in their own way with mm. clear expectations. I think this one's a hard one for me because it's sort of like, this is what I want. And this is so, so do it this way to get there. Right. Um, I see our new CEO, James, is actually very good at this one where he'll just set the end result, which we've implemented called. OKRs. And basically you have to come up with a solution to solve for it. Um, that takes some restraint, like that takes some time, uh, uh, pulling back. Um, the next one is be as transparent as possible across the team. Um, more information that they have, the better that they can start to think and self think and be able to, to, to create direction. Um, build relationships as much as possible. You always mention this. So, um, back when we were in the office, it was just get lunch, like chit chat at happy hours, ask folks how they're doing, uh, and be a bit vulnerable about your thoughts there too. And that helps to, to build it as well. And all of this accumulates and is able to affect team performance. And this is the same thing that goes back to the sports team of creating that team trust. I think of like, uh, this is a really, really interesting article. It's talking about mathematical relationships between trust and economical performance yeah, and trust and oxytocin, um, which is a chemical in the brain. Um, wow. I, I think this is really interesting. I'm dealing with this probably right now. So if you were to backtrack a year, um, I basically ran the, most of the organizations. Most of the employees were generally operators. They're were like a few key leaders that worked alongside me. Now at Campus Inc., we are hiring people that are extremely talented, um, like CTOs, CFOs, engineers, like the best marketing you know person that focus, focuses and specializing in different things. And it's really it's it's been a change for me. I've talked to you about this, Bruce, of like letting go. Mm -hmm. because like the style of one leader is going to be completely different than the other. And I have to trust that we're going to get to the same result, but going two different paths. Um, like I'm extremely direct. I am a little brash. 
the way I sell is much different. The way I pitch is much different. Um, I've had instances where, um, like me and me and, uh, like Adam cook will be on a call with a client. And I was like, dude, we, we probably shouldn't be on the call together with this client. Like we are way over the top. And then I'll be like, Hey, you take this completely. Or he'll be like, no, no, you take this one completely. And we totally, for the lack of better word, like, because we have different styles, but we trust each other. Um, we're both able to get to the same result, but it's definitely been a shift for me. I've definitely struggled with it because I like to be over everyone's shoulder. I feel like yeah. I think that it's that, yeah, like, oh, how'd you do that? Oh, what'd you do there? I don't know. Um, have you, I've talked to you about this for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I think the, this aspect of letting people work in their own way, but just having very clear expectations of what, what you want out of it. I think that's, <clears throat> I think that's the hardest part for all of us as people who start stuff. <clears throat> um, because that's not the way that you got to where you're at now. And whether right. you're, you know, if you're just starting, it's, it's a good thing to think about in the back of your head as well to know that, you know, whether you're working with contractors or whether interns or anybody else that's trying to help, um, to, to start to get good and build this skill. So I anyway. pulled, I pulled one thing out of here that I want to highlight. Um, and I want to see what, how you react to it. Um, Trust creates joy. How does that make you feel? Yeah, I think it's right. I, I don't know if I, I don't think I've ever used the word joy in a sentence, but like <laughs> it makes sense. Like if it you creates totally, I feel like maybe it creates joy in just that you know that it'll get done. Like if, when you have, if you think of your best team member, you're not thinking about that work getting done. And so if you can have that feeling across more people, Maybe it's on you to to help create more trust and using these characteristics. I enjoy working. Yeah, I mean, when there are, are people with... And it, and it could even be someone... It could be your screen reclaimer for all I know, right? Like, I totally trust our screen reclaimer, Ed, with my life, right? Um, and because of it, I don't worry about it and it's just like happy. It's, it's a happy place back there. Um, it doesn't have to be with another leader. It could be just with you know, your, your best employee here or someone that you totally know is going to do right by, by a situation without you having to have an input there. Um, you know, huh. I think, I think the setting the clear expectations also encompasses allowing people to screw it up, like, mm. you know, and fumble to, they get to the end result. Um, which that may be level two of stepping back as well <laughs> of like getting good at it. Because uh, the second you start to see that happening, you try to like self-correct it, mm -hmm. but probably doesn't equal as much trust coming out. I have been trying to turn off my Slack during the day or turn off notifications. And it's been really hard because whenever I see the buzz, I'm like, Oh, someone needs my help or someone needs me. And then I did it for a couple of days and I'm like, People are self-correcting now. They're not coming to me. I'm making myself a little more unavailable. So I think also as a leader, to build trust, you have to let go. Right? Or let them figure it out. Or trust that they're going to figure it out. And let them fumble. Anyways, 
Cool yeah. article. We'll have to put the link in here. This is super cool. I need to spend... This is Harvard Business Review, I think. Yeah. If you want to level up as an owner, whether you're one person or whether you're 100 people, um, hbr.org, Harvard Business Review, probably the most amazing written content to uh, help you grow. In Are you role. saying it's better than the Printavo Facebook group? One. <laughs> yeah, no, just barely. I don't know where how these writers get this, but like seriously, it's un- unbelievable. Inktavo has a lot of the software you're going to be able to use to keep track of everything in your shop, whether it's stores, art, or workflow. And here's why. Number one, Printavo, keeping track of your workflow from start to finish and keeping your team on the same page. You can't grow without having a really good, clean system to run off of. Number two, Inksoft, managing stores from one store to tons of stores at a time. You got to be able to keep that all in one place too and manage their fulfillment in a very easy and clean backend. That's Inksoft. And then last but not least, three, Graphics Flow. Here's what's really cool about this. When a customer goes to you and says, hey, I'm on a volleyball team and I'm looking for 50 shirts. And you're like, okay, what's your art? And they're like, I don't have any art. Well, guess what? Graphics Flow has all of that art. They, as the customer can look it up or you can look it up and it's all grouped by different categories. It's incredible. When we're Googling around to find out inspiration and all that good stuff, it's all right there. And on top of it, you edit the art right there. You send it off for approval and boom, it looks super clean. It, it, it allows not just the artist to be able to do the art, but also salespeople and people that don't know how to use Illustrator and Photoshop to do the art too. Super cool. It's like Canva if you've used that. But for screen printing shops. Okay, we'll jump back into the episode. Did I, by the way, did I share with you that I, I went to the Bell and Canvas like headquarters the other day? I saw the pictures. Um, like- we're going to post a, a real soon, a real, real soon of that uh, experience. Um, crazy. I've been there maybe a year ago or so. They've got, mm-hmm. I, it's something like 1.2 million square feet. It's powered by solar panels on the roof. Um, the, it's in uh, so their headquarters is Sony's old old offices, right? In, yes. So the headquarters is absolutely beautiful. So there's like two kind of areas. There's this one in Commerce, California, which is a lot of this manufacturing. So they balance between um, Nicaragua and Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, they can use as a facility to um, like quickly get stuff out or be able to change production or do sampling um, very fast, right? It's here, it's on shore, they can move quickly. Nicaragua, obviously lower labor costs and able to pump, you know, bigger runs out and get stuff done, um, at a more affordable price. Uh, unbelievable though. They really like care about the, the sustainability aspect. I mean, just that the whole thing, the, the light and everything was running on solar panels is like, wow. Cause this is a massive, massive warehouse and it's multiple warehouses. Like we took golf carts to the different warehouses for cutting, um, and, uh, where the fabric is stored and then they ship it to get dyed and, and so on. So crazy supply chain process. Um, it's something like, I think it was six or eight months or so for, you know, it all to go through. So cotton coming from India, getting sewn into yarn, getting laid down and cut, then or getting dyed, then getting cut, and then getting sewn together, and then coming back and going to distribution. So um Bruce, what part of the really process cool. gets done in LA? Is is fabric cut there? 
Yeah. So they have this crazy long cutting boards. That's just like the longest dining table you're ever going to see. And they will actually have lasers. So, so generally a lot of cut and sew houses will have these jigsaws. And so they'll lay fabric down. Maybe it depends on, depending on the type of fabric, but they'll lay a, a bunch of different layers of fabric down. Maybe it's 20 or 30. I'm not sure. And then um, generally you'll see uh, people with like a jigsaw with a long saw going through and they lay patterns like templates on top and they're cutting around those and that's um, taken to be sewn. Here they use lasers to do that. So um, uh, like it goes across and it cuts it accurately. Um, They take the waste and they're actually working on this program. Maybe I can say this, but like that they're going to recycle and create new shirts out of all the waste. Because if you think about it, it's like a cookie cutter sheet. You know, when you make cookies and you stamp cookies out, you have the leftovers. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with fabric. And so then those are taken, they're shipped um, and they have tons of sewers there or it's shipped overseas to be sewn and then brought into their distribution of which they have just like crazy, crazy amount of rows. Each row has a million pieces or so. Um, if you think about a huge warehouse that must be 50 feet tall and uh, they have robots that go in and out that, that pick up the boxes, come out and bring them to be shipped out. And then they also obviously will ship to distributors. So I think what's interesting about Bella um, is that they have sewers in LA, right? So they are kind of hedged a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. I think that was interesting when we interviewed Chris and he talked about COVID. He's like, yeah, we started laser cutting and and doing that in LA. Um, So I think it's super cool that they're able to do both. Um, And also they support other brands, right? Like Aloe. Isn't that mm-hmm. one of their brands, Aloe Yoga? Yeah. So I'm trying to get Danny Harris on the uh, on the podcast. He's one of the the co-founders of Bella, and then they started Aloe, um, which has absolutely blown up as a retail like athleisure brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, be- beautiful headquarters. They're in like Beverly Hills, just crazy office building, tons of natural light. But I, I will say they, they said anybody who wants to come tour this facility is more than welcome to. So, you know, Open reach doors. out to your rep. If you're in Los Angeles, absolutely go. It's unbelievable to see the scale that they're at and what they're doing. Um, so that was neat. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Like the open door policy of, of some of these to be like, come see it. Um, you like believe in it way more and you have a deep appreciation for it. Yeah. I think from a supply chain point, I'm worried about getting one box to Chicago. They're getting thousands of packages per hour shipped perfectly across the world. And you just think of that scale and you're like, wow, like yeah, that it's, it's almost like symphonious. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's like a crazy symphony. It's crazy. So yeah, I'm excited for that one. What else you got? Have you guys done annual reviews ever? Yeah. Did you just complete them or no? No. Um, we'll probably do them shortly. Uh, we've Was just this the had, first year you've done them or no? We did them last year. Um, <clears throat> um, How'd it go? Was it worth the time? Good, good, think? good, good. So we use like a tool called Leapsum, which gives like kind of a score. Leapsum. on uh, and, and you review your, uh, your manager and then you review yourself. Um, your manager also reviews you and you kind of get a score one through five. Um, and you just kind of track it and, and there's an opportunity for self-reflection. Um, to be frank, as this year has gotten a little crazy 
we have probably not been as forward about it because we've been hiring so fast and the team's so new. But um, we have turned our year, like we're resetting our year in July, um, but we'll probably have have them coming out here soon. What about you guys, Bruce? Yeah, we just did them for the first time. Um, and I, I wanted to share the questions that were used so anybody else can take these two and be able to use them for their team. Um, did you guys just use a like, Google form or did you do them through Lattice or something? Um, we did it through this company called Lattice. So A-T- mm. uh, I'm sorry, L-A-T-T-I-C-E. Uh, and you guys can sign up. It's actually pretty affordable. It's something do like you do your OKRs through there too. Yes. So they will. Uh, so James put all the OKRs for the company. Um, so f- for example, all the goals for the company for everybody to hit and who they're assigned to. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think something like OKRs matters under maybe 15 people or so. I think after that, then it helps align the company because you, you tend to find that like, are we all pointed in the right direction? Like, are we all rowing the boat at the, at the same speed? But uh, the reviews, I think, could be helpful um, even at five people. And, and we didn't because you tend to think, oh, well, I'm giving like real-time feedback and stuff. But I will say that the annual reviews allowed for a time to stop and really think about someone holistically, which doesn't happen in either just like, you know, lunches or one-on-ones or just like, you know, quick five minutes here and there. And I think that allowed everybody to give pretty good feedback. And, and um, I, uh, we, we made it pretty short. So let me just read this really quickly. So um, this is the self-review aspect. And by the way, you could do this in a Google Doc or something if you wanted. Um, but the, the questions for you to ask were, what accomplishments are you most proud of? Uh, do you feel you were able to fully deliver on your goals and commitments this year? Describe an example where you demonstrated one of our company values. How do you feel your role helps the company be successful? What areas would you like to develop personally and professionally? What can your manager do to help you be more successful? Um, those are the five or so. And and like the ask wasn't to spend a day writing this. It was just like jot notes down, a couple sentences, a couple bullet points, things like that. Um. And then the flip side is the reviewer um, wrote answers to these questions. They said, uh, is this person able to complete tasks timely and accurately? And by the rate, by the way, the ratings were one through five um, mm-hmm. and then an explanation. Can they effectively communicate with team members at all levels? Can they handle pressure in stressful situations? Do they take ownership of their mistakes? Are they capable of taking on more responsibilities? Are they able to make an impact in their role? Um, and are they able to easily adapt when uh, faced with changes and responsibilities or, or circumstances? All right. So um, those are, those are the ones that steal them because I think they're a good foundation for it. This is the first time that we did it again, but uh, it did again, allow us to like really think and, 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 I got some good feedback. I, I was able to think about different people and give them good feedback and hopefully it was helpful. And I use this by the way, as my opportunity because I know I'm not as direct and that's like my personality test weakness to be able to like think about it, write it down and then be able to deliver it then to, to them too. So, yeah, 
I think we we've talked about this on there, but um, self reflection is such a great opportunity to spend time in deep thought. I think it also gets them to be grateful too when they get to sit with it and be like, "Oh, things aren't as bad," or "Ooh, you know, I yeah. I'm making progress," or "I really enjoy the people I work with." I think, um, you know. The economy is in an interesting place. There's layoffs everywhere. I think the job market is drastically changing. And I don't know. I I feel like employees have lately been like, this has been like the first kind of recession since, I don't know, 08 kind of ish. And I can sense a sense of, I have a job. I enjoy coming to work here. I'm working hard. I'm grateful for it. I don't know. How has it been for you all, Bruce? Um, yeah, I, I think, I, I mean, I think things just aren't as lofty, which is helpful. Uh, right. At least in like tech world, it's just like, it was, it was very hard to hire. It was very hard to retain. Um, so things are more realistic now, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense. But, you know, the pendulum swings back and forth. Yeah. So maybe we get a couple of years here and then, and then it's like heavy growth again. Uh, seems very like yeah. interesting interest rate related um how okay. often how often are you guys doing wait real quick just so that there's mm-hmm. some tangibles how often should a shop small business five employees if you're listening to this 10 employees how often should you do these reviews this is once a year um okay so this is once a year with folks and i know it feels like a very time consuming thing especially maybe at five people or so Mm-hmm. But again, I will say the ability to stop and just think for like 30 minutes and, and like not be distracted or whatever, like put on, do not disturb, get on an airplane. I, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, I feel so, uh, I feel so focused and dialed in on the airplane. I'm like, why is that? Um, I was like, can I create that like cockpit esque, you know, experience <laughs> at home? And I think most of it is just using do not disturb, honestly. But yeah, once a year. I think once a year really helps. Just just try it. Again, it's very different than the one-on-ones. The experience that you go through it is very different. And I think people appreciate the feedback. That That's the last thing that I didn't realize is that your team really appreciates direct feedback to help them improve, especially your top players. Like they want to get better. So qu- after you do these reviews, you have you should do a one-on-one meeting to discuss them. It's not like you just do them and like leave them open-ended. You have to close the gap with a meeting. Right, right. Uh, that's like one of the most important parts because they're probably there. And I think you can really identify issues early um, and like just put stuff on your radar. But if you don't have that meeting, there are open ends. So even if it's five stars and it's awesome... You should still like have a have a meeting. I think Gusto, we use Gusto for uh, our payroll. It's got a very simple self review feature, um, and there's definitely tools out there. But a Google form or something like that, uh, definitely something that that shop should be doing. Um, Bruce, have you, I think the other part is uh, having them review their manager. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have employees review you? Um, no. And you know what? If I'm like very honest, uh, I I don't I had that it. opportunity and I didn't want that. <laughs> like, you didn't want employees to review you. No, no. Like I was just like 
I don't want to hear it. Not not in a um damn like I don't value your opinion. It's just that I don't think I was ready to take it. You know what I mean? It's it's like it's not you, it's a me thing. <laughs> like I was just like, I don't I don't know if I could like, you know, read through this. So I remember I, I remember thinking about this. I okay. This is really interesting. I thought about this the other day. I'm like, what if I just put out a poll or a survey that was anonymous and I let our employees just uh, bitch about me? That's going to be interesting. I was like, sign me up for therapy the next day. We have that feature in our Slack, actually. It's called Incognito. Yeah. Um, I, mean, just, I, should, I should respond to that. Um, Incognito but, uh, Slack app, anonymous feedback tool. Uh, but I think I think I'm afraid to hear it. I'm afraid for people to say like uh, Stephen does this or Stephen does that or Steve. You know, like I'm just like, oh boy. I. But I mean, it would. I'm help. sure you could find common themes though. Like if you open it up, at least to people maybe that you directly manage, and maybe it's not even anonymous. Maybe it's just like, hey, what what are things I can do better, and just like bold stuff off. I I bet you'd find that a couple of people mention the same stuff that you're like, hmm, okay. Either <laughs> I want to take this and improve or nah. Yeah, I think that's something like you let your employees do that do and then take, no. you I'll take it home and then review it with Carson. <laughs> <laughs> so she could consult like me. opening letters like Santa opening letters, but they're yeah, all critiques like, of be like, Santa. Yeah, you probably do talk a lot, Stephen, but that's okay. You know, the dogs still love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's definitely a, a blow to the ego. Um, if you do that, please bring it up at, at least like generalized feedback. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. Oof. All right. Change subjects. What else you got today? All right. So <clears throat> I have this story that I read in the Wall Street Journal. Um, Look at you. Wall story. Street Journey, Journal, Harvard Business Review. Yeah, I've always loved the Wall Street Journal. It's just as good. Like, it's hard to find news that's more like in the middle and and mm -hmm. like uh, has a lot of information or data back and forth. And I think the Wall Street Journal does a pretty good job um, versus getting sucked into like TV news cycles. So, uh, there's a guy named. Have you heard of Robert F. Smith? Bobby Smith. <laughs> I have not. Ricky Wait, Bobby South Park. <laughs> I typed uh, no, in this, Robert this, Smith. No, yeah, no, is this, an English this is singer like from the, the band The Cure. <laughs> no, this is the uh, this is the wealthiest black guy in America. He also runs one of the largest private equity for, uh, firms um, called Vista Equity Partners. And I think what I got interested in this is just you know going through. Um, having PE ownership now and just learning a lot more about it. Like I'm actually pretty fascinated about how they do it. And I think shops do this, by the way, on a small scale, right? There's like this micro PE where if you're a shop and you buy another shop, that's called, that's private equity. You you bought the equity of that business in the private market and you're doing what you're doing with it. Anyway, he's worth rough, roughly four to five billion um, uh, all self-made. His parents were high school principals, um, he was actually a, a chemical engineer at several companies out of school, um, like crafts and general foods. But um, he went to Columbia Business School uh, uh, 
1994, he joined Goldman Sachs Group under the mergers and acquisitions as a banker. So a lot of keywords and buzzwords there. But um, here's why this is interesting. So he is famously known for buying companies and delivering like roughly a 30% return to his investors consistently. Okay, why does this matter to uh, shops? All right, so what he does is he has a playbook. He has this uh, infamous 110-page playbook for they call it their secret buyout formula. And they come into companies and they execute on this playbook um, and run it to be able to grow them or make them more profitable or take them to the next level if they're stuck by generally the original founder of the company. Um, I'm going to read you off six things that he tends to do, and then I'll, I'll like tie it together as to where I think, like why I think this matters. All right, number one. <clears throat> so he comes in and he looks at the balance sheet and uh, cash flow statements, and he works to cut costs. So that could mean moving headquarters to a cheaper location. Um, that could mean uh, things that he, they don't feel are, are exactly needed at the time to be able to grow revenue. Um, next is he connects the management team with peers on best practices. So all managers um, or founders, CEOs, owners, or whatever are all now a part of a peer group. So they all join and they meet monthly and they talk about their issue, maybe that they're having, they present, and everybody else gives feedback to be able to help them. Next is uh, they do product development of less cool things and directly and things that add more direct value. So they tend to add, they tend to buy, I believe it's only software companies. So um, that's more specific there. But Again, they only they they don't tend to focus on the cool things, but it's just what are stuff that directly adds value to the customers and to in our niche. They will run personality tests on everyone to get people in the right seat. So every single person goes through and takes a uh, any type of personality test. Another cool stat though is a third, about thirty five percent of the leaders and staff are women. Um, Two out of the five funds that they have are women-led. Um, and what they do is they tend to find high-performing entry-level people based on the per, uh, based on the performance test or the personality test. All right. Fifth, then they implement automatic price increases. So they will go through the business. They will look to see who is not on current plans and raise it. And then they every whatever regular six months, 12 months, however it is, they regularly increase prices. They don't forget about that. And then I think lastly here is um, they overhaul the sales process and include cross-selling different products. Uh, and they use higher commission plans to pay sales reps to help push and motivate them. All right. Two, the two themes. Okay, this yeah, is super ahead. cool. Can you find the 110 step playbook? I have done plenty of Googling. Okay, um, who is I know that some guy on Twitter? Who is that guy on Twitter that like opens his Google Doc directory? What is that? It's called, his name's uh mm, the name's gonna come to me. We'll have to bring it up at a later episode. Um he opens up his whole playbook, like how to have meetings, how to have this, how to have that. Gosh, it's gonna kill me. It's it's gold. But I see two main themes that I thought stuck out to me. Uh, theme number one, um, people like totally invested in people development, getting peer groups, getting them coaches, personality tests, like just realizing that it's about 
figuring like we talked about that trust building i feel like mm-hmm. it's like they're all in trust building exercises all the time <laughs> yeah right uh which leads to joy we talked about okay second thing they're focusing always on sales i didn't hear engineering or i heard sales to make sure that they can like grow their top line yeah why don't yeah, you think there's more sale. ops stuff in there um I, I mean, I don't think that there's not in there. I think there's probably stuff in the playbook. These are just from scraping through like and pulling what I can. It's very secretive that they, that they keep around this. But honestly, the takeaway that I got is that if you looked at your business as if you weren't a part of it and everybody's in a different spot. And so if you stepped away and sort of like your, your ghost or whatever is looking at the business what are the things that you would be doing like tomorrow to, to improve the business? And I think there's a lot of things that we think would be very important, but we just don't ever get to. Um, And it's not like these are, these are, these are not like secretive, crazy things. These are like stuff that this is stuff that I'm sure you could think about if you were looking at your business from top down um, and at least it gives a pretty cool North star, I think, to, to think about things. So it's like, if you, maybe if you feel stuck or if you're like, where, where should we go over the next year? It's like, if we're creating a pretty great company and, and we want to grow, what are the things that we need to be doing? Like, what are the five things that we need to be doing? Maybe even narrow it down to three things that we need to be doing and then pointing the ship towards, towards improving these um, what are the things that I know would be beneficial for, for me, but like, I, I keep saying that I don't have the time for it and that I need to make the time for it. Um, what are the things that maybe I'm passionate about and I sort of distract the business from, um, and, and that I really need to have more discipline about. So, uh, what are the things I'm afraid of? You know, I think the price increase is an absolute aspect that everybody's always afraid of that i probably should do it makes a lot of sense but i'm avoiding it because i'm afraid of it i'm curious bruce how much time okay if you could think back during printavos like what was the day or period of time or what was the activity that you made the biggest impact like the most successful triumphant impact that you made whether it was like you locked yourself in a room and for two days, you just worked on this or you wrote the best brief of your life that like moved the needle. Ooh. Can you think back to a time where you spent like and made the largest impact at Printavo? I mean, you obviously built the whole thing from scratch, right? But but if there's a moment in time. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. I may need to think more about it, but off the top of my head... um, I would say number one, when it was just a couple people was just being in the product and and like iterating on the product as quickly as possible and like just delivering whatever value we can to customers, Um, just bending over backwards to like get things done quickly, build out new stuff quickly, um, integrate with things people need. So that like speed, anything speed, actually that's the theme, anything speed early on, especially was hugely beneficial because no other big company has speed as a component. You just can't like it's it's hard. 
Um, so speed to respond to customer support issues, speed to iterate and improve the product, speed to um, uh, like um, anything but is with there, customer is there, related, actually. Was there one specific instance that you can remember? Mm, yeah, I mean, the on, in Zendesk, we measure first response time and I would like respond to people right away or call people back right away. And we still do that. So it's like under 20 minutes or so. So yeah, that absolutely, I realized that the customer service speed actually feels like a feature to the product. And uh, it's like almost like an add-on service and you can't describe it because everybody says that they have fast customer service, but when they, you experience it, it delights people. I think the second oh. one was a training program. I remember locking myself in the room actually with Adam Cook, who uh, we like worked on the training. Um, Adam is our NIL director now. Yeah. He like, we, you know, we made our company handbook essentially. And like everything that we wanted somebody to go through for the first week or two, we outlined in a schedule as if it was like your syllabus starting at school. And the whole goal was if I'm not here, this person can go through training on their own. So I, I think that was hugely helpful so that every new person understood, you know, what we're doing, why we're doing it, why we care, the history of it, um, and then what matters in their role. And then I think the next thing, and I didn't fully get to this though, uh, but was, was starting to build out a real management team. Um, so I'm going to agree yours? with you. Okay. There is a moment in time where I spent time writing, like just writing the most elaborate briefs and expectations and how I wanted things to run. Um, specifically when we started going D to C and I just was like probably a 25 page this is how we're going to do D to C similarly to how you and Adam wrote that massive brief of if you're not here, how does this run? Um, and I think I'm finding the most impactful time that I'm now make on my business is when I'm writing and preparing like a teacher making lesson plans. Like we have conventions coming up this summer where we go exhibit at different fraternity conventions. And I literally was like, Oh my God, I have a 15, like I have a, beautifully outlined doc of goals, expectations, settings, how this should go, checklists, to-do lists. And I was like, wow, I wrote that because I was furious because we messed one up really badly. <laughs> um, but I think back to a couple of those instincts and it's like when it's 5 a.m. in the morning and I spend three hours just preparing this like beautiful, this is how we're going to do this at Campus Inc. Those are the times where I feel like I have made the biggest impact um, and so I was curious, just curious to hear you say that, like when you wrote that with Adam and it lasted and had tenure, uh, at Printavo, um, curious to hear from shops, right? Like what are, what are some of the things that you've done that have been, that have moved the needle? It might've only been two or three hours of work too. That's the cool part. Right. <laughs> oh, you're on mute, Bruce. It's crazy that the time that we locked in for four hours or something in the room literally paid off probably one of the highest ROIs <laughs> of time spent to, to read, to train and, and everything for people for, you know, years to come. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. All right. 
I got more heat, but I think that's good. I think that's a good episode. Sweet, 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 sweet. Um, yeah, as always, uh, the podcast, we're getting a lot of subscribers on YouTube, which is kind of yeah. sick. Thank like, you guys. Yeah. Appreciate you for uh, subscribing, hanging on, listening. And, um, uh, but the, the best thing you can do is comment, uh, message us, uh, give us ideas, like, subscribe. Here's your reminder. Um, we're having a lot of fun doing this and, uh, we hope that you guys are enjoying it. So sweet. All right. Thanks for listening to the pronouncements podcast. See ya. See you in the next episode.